Welcome to the Man on Second Podcast, now part of the Coach and Kernan Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Forsaro. Uh, today, we have a, another great uh, show uh, in store for you with our special guest, uh, a good friend of mine and one of the real rising young sports journalists in our country. And and his name is Dan, Daniel Alvarez, Danny Alvarez of El Extra Base. Uh, Danny is born in Venezuela. Uh, his mother, Mari, is a legend sports journalist in Venezuela, um, and Danny is carving his own path. But before I, I bring Danny in with us, I, I'd be remiss, and I, I certainly want to reach out because today and these last few days this week has been a very sad one for the state of Florida. Um, obviously, we got um, Hurricane Ian doing a tremendous devastation to the southwest part of the state, to our friends in Fort Myers, Naples, and on up. Uh, carved its way through the state towards Orlando, and I think as we're recording this, it's just now out in the out in the ocean, and it's going to make its way back inland. But it's infected the entire part of the state. Well, we the state of Florida is a wonderful state. It's a great state, has a lot of resolve. We've been through many hurricanes. This is as bad as as a, any of it been. It seems like, and our thoughts and prayers are for everybody who are in harm's way. We're based in South Florida. We're fine. Uh, but uh, Danny, as I bring you in, you know, just welcome. And I hope you and your, your family and everyone were, were safe uh, during the storm. Oh, thank you, Joey. And, and yes, thankfully we were. Also, we had family in Venezuela that was kind of affected by the, by the tropical storm as well down there uh, these last couple of days. But thankfully, they're, they're good. And um, yeah, and I'm happy to, to be here, of course, and, and honored always for, for your kind words and, and support. I know you mean it. I know you've helped me a lot, and, and that's something that I that I really appreciate. Yeah, just for, for full disclosure, Danny's been – Danny used to read me a lot, right? When I was a lot. Yeah, and so he came in, and, and how were you, like 24, 25 now? You're still just a kid. Yeah. And uh, just so our audience knows, you know, as someone who me semi-retired and not really writing every day and doing stuff, Danny Alvarez is the future. And he and you're going to find out why in, the, in these next 35, 40 minutes on why I think so highly of him. And, and you guys will, too. And we're going to go right in his wheelhouse because um, Danny's been in the United States a while. But like I say, he was born in Venezuela. You could hear his English is perfect. Um, and the WBC is coming and it's right in Danny's wheelhouse. We're going to talk a lot about WBC. We're going to talk a lot about Venezuelan prospects. Some winter ball, but we're going to we're going to kind of stay on that. Danny and his mother took part of Miguel Cabrera, uh, obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest player from Venezuela. His quest for three thousand. We'll get into some some stories from Danny there, and we're going to talk about prospects in throughout Major League Baseball who are from the great country of Venezuela. Um, but Danny, let's let's start off with the WBC because I know you're as excited as anyone to see it coming back in twenty twenty three. Absolutely, Joey. This is a tournament that we, we take a lot of pride on, uh, us as a country, especially in Latin America. And it's nice to see now players from other nationalities um, being so excited about participating. And I mean this with the stars are, that will play with Team USA. Also, for example, Jazz Chisholm Jr. saying that he wants to play for Great Britain and uh, players like Stephen Kwan joining Team Japan. I mean, it's it's going to be so special and having that event in Miami with Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, uh, and possibly Nicaragua or Panama or even Brazil, uh, they, as they will start their 
pre-qualifier or the qualifier tomorrow in in Ciudad de Panama will be something very electric, uh, very important for baseball to have this tournament at this moment. And and I think it's it's going to be huge because it's also going to give you give us a window to see players that are coming up through the minor league system and that uh, could serve for them as a window as well to maybe uh, get some interest from from scouts from major league baseball clubs and I, and I think that's why it's so so special to have the WBC on. And talk to us as someone from you know who was born in Venezuela. You you're, you're here. Obviously, the United States. We have a lot of baseball passion, but it is really in the blood of your countrymen. And 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 why do you think that international ball? Because we we still struggle, as you know, to draw the interest in the U.S. for international competition to to really have your country across your chest in your uniform. Why? What is it about like the Venezuelan players? And you know a lot of the players in the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and so forth. Why it means so much to these uh, players to have you know to represent their countries? I think it's honestly a cultural thing, and especially with baseball, Joey. Because, for example, in Venezuela, and and when you go to the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or Cuba or those countries in the Caribbean, the only uh, historically the only sport where they actually have their best assets, their their best players, or the, their whole country playing the same sport is it's baseball and and in and especially in those countries so to be able to to have a tournament like this one when, when where they are they're able to have their their best players representing them uh it's something that didn't happen before because obviously they had the olympics but at the time the olympics are played the the summer olympics of course we are not able to have players from from the big league teams or um, maybe high-regarded minor league baseball players. So uh, to have this tournament, this opportunity with with the best players, uh, serving as you know as, as a scenario for them to to show their talent and and represent their country, it's something um, that it's big for everyone. And and I see players now that will join that team that they were so excited to to represent Venezuela in in, in different. Um, categories and like U23, U20 in the past, and and even when they were playing little league or or youth baseball, and it's 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 something that you learn from, or or you learn learn since you are a very very young in the country, and and that's why uh, countries like us in Venezuela and of course the Caribbean take a lot of pride in, in, Talk, in this tournament. Then give give uh, uh, some of our listeners who may not be as familiar with the players that are from Venezuela compared to the DR and so forth, what this lineup, what team Venezuela could look like and, and speak a bit about the rivalry with the Dominican Republic, especially <laughs> uh, when those two countries match up. Yeah. I think that it, that is something joy that has been building up in the last couple of years in social media for some reason, every time. And, and me, for example, um, managing a, a, a sports outlet or a baseball outlet, mainly Venezuela. And every time I post something about a Dominican player, Venezuelan fans start commenting about everything or saying every type of things, it, no matter if it's good or bad, and, and same when it's otherwise. Um, but now, for example, I, I see uh, more Venezuelan players 
at the same level or even better than the Dominican players. And and obviously after the U.S., no country has more, more players in, in baseball than, than the Dominican Republic. And to see Venezuela now approaching that number and getting closer to the Dominican Republic has helped to, to build this uh, kind of rivalry, um, making it not only uh, Dominican against Puerto Rico, uh, right? So for this year i think it's going to be very interesting uh, or for next year to have team venezuela because you have a you're you're going to have a combination of everything of power speed contact good defense um good coaching as well so i think it it will be maybe the best chance for venezuela to have a um a good you know participation in many years now of course with Acuna as the main star, as you mentioned, but also Jose Altuve coming after a great season. Uh, Andres Jimenez, who is having a great year in Cleveland, might be the starting shortstop. Eugenio Suarez with a lot of power. Eduardo Escobar. Also, the catching position, there's going to be a lot of depth there because Salvador Perez is a many-time gold glove winner, but also Wilson Contreras may be an option. William Contreras might be an option as well. And in the outfield, you can have guys like David Peralta, a very good lefty bat, gold glover, and Anthony Santander, who might be under the radar, but has 33 homers for an Orioles team that is still fighting for a playoff spot. And and after that, um, I see the bench, for example, or what might be on the bench, and it's going to be super exciting for them because of the amount of depth that they have. I've, I've been in, in several conversations, based almost daily, with Omar Lopez, the Astros first base coach, who's going to be the manager for Team Venezuela. And every time I say, hey, Omar, I think this might be the the roster or this might be the starting lineup or starting <laughs> rotation, he goes like, yes, I have this option, but now you have to see at what this kid is doing over here or over there. So it's it's really exciting to to talk about it and, and to think how good of a team we can have. Yeah, and and just uh, obviously to our listeners, we're South Florida-based. We, we spent a lot of time at and following the Miami Marlins. The Marlins, you know, the Cy Young favorite in the National League, and the uh, Dominican Republic board, Sandy Alcantara, the number two starter for the Miami Marlins, Venezuelan board, Pablo, Pablo Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> and these guys are teammates, close friends. They could conceivably be pitching against each other in, in the, the WBC. You know that a couple of weeks ago, or and maybe one or two days after it was announced that the WBC was officially coming back, I talked to Pablo and Sandy. I told him, "Hey, I want to have an interview with you guys, talking about the potential matchup of you in the on game one or game two or or whatever it whenever it's it's going to happen the the Dominican and Venezuela." And they were so excited to talk about it. And Pablo Pablo told me, hey, we've been talking about this for months as the possibility of have of having the tournament back in Miami and maybe maybe both of us facing each other. And Sandy was like, Yeah, but well, we gotta wait. We've gotta wait until until it's announced. And then when it got announced, they were so happy, so excited and and They've been talking to each other like brothers, as you mentioned. They're they're best friends. They they share basically everything and are the one-two punch for the Marlins. But it's a real possibility to have Pablo and Sandy facing off on Game One on March 11 at Lone Depot Park uh, with a stadium packed, of course, full of Dominicans and, and Venezuelans, uh, and it's going to be a great matchup for for baseball and for those countries. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, you're right. And I want to give our, our listeners kind of a little feel of what, what that international setting is like. Because, um, you know, I first started covering back in 2006, back at the old football stadium, now Hard Rock um, Stadium, uh, where the Dolphins play the Marlins' original home. And 2006 was the first year of the World Baseball Classic. And I covered all the World Baseball Classics over in Miami. And just the energy that is in the park. And hey, look, we're all... This channel, you know, we we pride ourselves on kind of raising the IQ of the baseball of the baseball fan. We we really kind of take you, you know, we peel the layers off and really get down deep. And and I always like the competition. For one, spring training's monotonous, as we know, right? And yeah. two, we want to be entertained and we want to see the, the these players instead of six weeks of just going through the motions to get ready for opening day to have something to play for. And and it really adds such a bolt of energy to to spring training, to getting the, the juices going. I know the, the kind of the knock on baseball is, oh, it's so boring. The playoffs are great. Playoff races usually are great. But, you know, it's like you need to infuse these type of things. So do you think baseball is doing enough in this regard? And you think it's catching on enough? I think it's catching on enough, Joey. And I think that part of, part of that is having that many stars. Um, playing in the tournament because you, you could see and, and I remember different cases of many countries the Dominican playing without Pujols for two tournaments or Venezuela not having Johan Santana and King Felix and in, in the same rotation in 09 or or the US having yes great players but now when when you think of JT catching and Goldschmidt and Story and Trey Turner and Arenado and Harper, Betts, Trout, those are the best players of the game in one roster. So it's a kind of a dream team in spring training playing baseball baseball like October. So by, by having these type of players and giving the amount of uh, publicity that they're giving to the tournament or and the qualifier and and things like that, I think it's helping a lot. Because the the one thing that the tournament has against is the time of the year when it's played. Because you cannot stop baseball season for two to three weeks to have the WBC going, uh, just like soccer is going to do, for example, for the for the World Cup or, or like hockey does for for the Winter Olympics. It's different. Baseball it's very different from from those sports, and this is the only time of the year where where you can do it, and and it's not the best time at, maybe at all because. Uh, you can think, well, maybe we can play after a World Series, but every player is going to be tired, fatigued, um, and you cannot do it, you know, in, in the meantime because they they won't be ready. So having spring training is the most ideal, even though it's not the best time of the year to do it. Uh, but I think that having having this amount of talent on every single roster, it's going to be, or it is already very important, and I think it's helping a lot to have more people and more fans interested in um, in the tournament. And of course, I've been talking to players, for example, JT, a couple of weeks ago, he told me that he wanted to be in that 2017 roster, but he couldn't because he was not going to be a, a starting catcher, obviously with Posey and Lucroy there. Uh, but now he's so excited about it and talking to Harper and talking to Ranger Suarez on the Phillies or Jose Alvarado, who are Venezuelan players, but uh, are already feeling it and and talking about uh, the tournament and competing against each other. So I think that's helping a lot. 
Yeah, I know the, the biggest risk and the biggest fear, especially from American-born players, is injury. Now, this is an interesting thing to me, Danny, because I remember in 2007, MLB.com sent me down to, to Puerto Rico and I did the Caribbean series. And Miguel Tejada was playing for the for the DR at the time. And, uh, and he was like an MVP a year or two earlier, a few years earlier. And Tejada would always play winter ball. And, and he played a lot. And I asked him, I said, what about the fatigue factor? Or, you know, you, you might break down. And he goes, well, maybe I'm the player I am because I'm playing so much. It's more accepted, in, especially in the Caribbean, the Latin American countries, where these players don't really fear injury like we do here. And I get it. There's a ton of money. You don't want to see, see guys get hurt. I also noticed back in about 09-ish uh, when the games were here in Miami, Team USA was loaded, but you had like Dustin Pedroia and David Wright. And those guys were getting like oblique injuries because I think they didn't ramp up properly. You know, they, they all of a sudden they needed to do a lot more swinging of the bat and they just weren't conditioned while on paper Team USA probably should win every year. But in terms of how they play in the tournament, how they're prepared, because they're not really used to it here. And and that's the key for everything being being prepared. And and you have you might have players getting hurt because they're trying too much, or you can have players and and even Venezuelan players have admitted this uh, from previous tournaments that they because of they don't want to have they don't want to get hurt during the tournament. They just don't go hundred percent in in those days, and that's why they have the performance they they have or they had in the past. And, and that's why I think it's so important for them to start preparing earlier. Obviously, for pitchers, I think that they might start having their bullpen sessions and they're going to start throwing a couple weeks earlier. So by the time they get to spring training, it's not trying to build up to uh, 45 to 60 pitches to 80 pitches. And instead, they, they will be ready. Just like, for example, Sandy was this, this past spring training because of the private camps that they had um you know so so they, they they can be ready to go and for the players is gonna for the position players is gonna be basically the same thing they're gonna start sweating a little bit earlier um maybe not putting a lot of weight you know for their workouts and and stuff like that many of them will play winter ball especially in, in venezuela and the dr and now in in puerto rico as well same as the mexican league because they want to see live hitting and uh, I think now with the level that we have in, in, in those leagues, maybe you, you don't have the greatest names of the game there currently, but you can find um, some inter interesting prospect who is throwing 95 plus with a nasty breaking ball and a good changeup. So that might help them to, to, to be more on, on time uh, by, by the moment they get to their report to spring training and also to their uh, team camps. Uh, we, we're going to switch over a little bit, and we got to ask, is the greatest of Venezuelan players who's still active going to be uh, part of uh, Team Venezuela, and that's Miguel Cabrera? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I talked to Miggy in April when we were doing the chase for 3,000. And he told me, Danny, I don't care if, I, if I'm not playing. I just want to be there helping on whatever manner they, they want. Uh, if, if I'm not good enough or um, ready enough to play in that tournament, I'm going to be there as an invitee. I, I just want to be there with the team. I don't care. 
but now after knowing how he's feeling at this point and how he's going to get ready for his final season, he has confirmed that he's going to play. And talking to the manager, Omar Lopez, I asked him, hey, what are you going to do with Miguel? He's like, I'm, I don't have to do anything with Miguel. Miguel is going to be the one that's going to do something with me. And he's going to tell me when and where and how he's going to play. Uh, but yes, he's getting ready. He will be on the roster. And I think that's going to be important for Venezuela, even even if he doesn't play that much. Uh, because obviously being realistic and, and being seeing what, what he's doing, um, other players like Luis Arias or Anthony Santander might be good options for the first base um, DH position. Obviously, Jesus Aguilar as well might, might be an option or even Salvador Perez, who knows. Um, but they just by having Migi there, it's a motivation for all of them. For, because now Migi's 39, getting closer getting closer to 40, and half of the roster, or maybe more, grew up watching Migi playing. And knowing that they're going to have the opportunity to play with their idol, uh, it's going to be super... Uh, super special for them, and 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 I think that's why me is excited as well because he knows how influential he is on that whole roster, including the coaching staff. Do you think Miggy may have gotten a little second win watching what Albert Pujols just did to get to seven hundred homers? Absolutely, and and I was and I was actually talking to Miggy last week, and he told me I'm watching every single at bat, excited as if I was a fan, and I think that that. You, you're gonna see some some of that fire that Albert Albert has now um, playing his final games with Miggy next year, and when when we see these great players, um, Pujols hitting twenty plus homers and getting to seven hundred, or what we what we talked about Big Papi in twenty sixteen, I think we're gonna see a little bit of of that with Miggy, especially if the Tigers uh, have a better run than this year. He's pretty excited with. Riley Green and Torkelson and uh, the pitching prospects that are coming up. So I think that yes, it, it's uh, pushing him a, a little bit, and and it's going to be beneficial as well for for Miggy. Yeah, let, let's turn to Miggy and his quest. So you could you know just so everyone knows, I I cover Miguel Cabrera when he's the twenty year old. You know, back at MLB.com in two thousand three, when they called him up at age twenty and was such a big part of the Marlins winning the World Series in the first And, I, and I was six and, by and the was time. Six years old. <laughs> so I, I had Miguel Cabrera when he was breaking in and knowing him and, and when scouts are telling me in spring training, this is a genera- generational player before he even took a swing in the big leagues and watching him win the World Series at age 20 and be a three-time All-Star as a Marlin and, and then being someone who had to cover his being traded to Detroit, which is obviously painful to the to the fans of South Florida, but obviously Miguel Cabrera's uh, his you know Hall of Fame career he's have he's had. Danny Danny was there for our listeners and his mom. And Danny, take us through when he when he did that quest for three thousand. How many trips did you make to Detroit? And just and even some of the the personal interactions away from the ballpark you had with Miggy and and him achieving this milestone. You know, we we had some sort of delay here at the airport. The the night he was four shy, and he got the three hits against the Yankees, which was on a on a Wednesday, I think. And we were on the plane when he got to two thousand and nine hundred and ninety nine hits, and we saw that last at bat of the game in you know on, on the plane, and 
and and we were we were scared like hey what if he gets three thousand and we're not there uh but thankfully clay holmes struck him out and and we got to to detroit about the only time you were cheering against miguel cabrera and and you know what I, i i was cheering against him and i remember being next to my mom and she was like cheering against him too but i got to a moment where i don't i don't even think i thought about it but but i said you know what mom if it happens, you know, it, it, it's just because it, it has to happen here. And never in my life I've rooted against Miggy. Never. So I, I, don't, I don't feel good by doing it now. <laughs> and then my mom said, you know what? It's not going to happen tonight because of what you just said and, and because you feel it. And I'm like, yeah, because it's history. And if it's meant to happen tonight, then, well, we're going to get there tomorrow and we're going to talk to him one-on-one for a while. And, and, and then that's it. Uh, but thankfully, Clay Holmes struck him out. I, I cheered by, you know, after that last pitch. And then when we got to Detroit, it was such a such a joy, you know, to to feel the city um, waiting for that and knowing that they were going to have him for at least four more games was something special. And then we got to that game against the, the Yankees. He went 0 for 3 with a walk, with that intentional walk in the ninth. And when we got there he he saw us in the clubhouse and and he said hi to us he he was talking to us for for a while so the media there they were like who are these guys that are talking to me this way <laughs> and and we, we we just had that uh yeah i i can say friendship and 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 trust from from Miggy. Uh, that that made it so special, and and then he he didn't get it that day. Uh, but we went to his house. We talked uh, about the game, about how he was feeling, how he was doing, his plans after once he he got to through three thousand, and and everything that was going to happen in, in in the next couple of days, and and just he, seeing him having that much fun was something special. Then of course we got the rain delay on Friday. Everything was postponed to Saturday, and that day. When we got to the clubhouse, he was just like, "Hey, good morning," and that was it. Like he he wasn't talking to anyone. Um, I, I knew he he went to bed early. He woke up er- very early in the morning. He got to the ballpark early, so he was kind of locked in and and ready, you know, to to make it happen. And then once it happened, it would, we we just feel that um, s- sensation of relief um, coming out of our of our bodies, and of course, a lot of pride. Um, there were some tears, of course, once once he got it, and, and then listening to to the song that he wanted to to be played at the stadium, uh, which is very significant for for every Venezuelan, and and it was a very very emotional moment, very special moment, and and to be there, uh, you know, next to him, not not only at the game, um, but before the game and after the game with with him and his family was something very special. Yeah, and you know, speak to because. Miguel knows he's he's bigger than baseball, um, you know. Obviously in Detroit, obviously here in Miami. To those who who you know remember and and really appreciate what he was, but what does he really think he's he means in terms of Venezuela? I mean, in the United States, you have the the Babe Ruth, the Mickey Mantles, the you know the the uh, the Cal Ripken Juniors, you know the Mike Trout's. What is you know Miguel Cabrera to Venezuela. I think he's he's just the greatest player um, of our country. With all the due respect to Luia Paricio, who is our only Hall of Famer as of now, and and I think that 
other players will have will have the chance to to join him, especially Miggy once once he retires. Uh, but he he's the greatest player uh, of our country, and and seeing how much he appreciates Venezuelan baseball history. Because when when you approach Miggy and you tell him, Miggy, you you lead every category offensively and and games played or all-star appearances and, and stuff like that. And Miggy goes and he says, well, but I grew up watching Dave Concepcion and Ozzy Guillen and Bobby Abreu and, and, and things like that. So, so he always appreciates who the, those who were, who came before, before him and, and the path that they uh, basically drew for, for him to, to get there. And now he enjoys watching Acuna, watching Arias, uh, watching every every youngster that is coming up and and representing the country in the same way he, he he's been doing it for the last twenty years that's that's something that he he really appreciates so it's for him it's not about him getting all those um, numbers and awards and triple crown and and whatever you you find on his resume for him it's more about appreciating it and and giving some some value to 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 those. To, to those who who came before him and that are coming after him, um, and and yes, he he understands the value that he has for for Venezuelan history. Um, obviously, we have our our own concept about about Miggy, and and you, you, the majority of Venezuelans can agree that he's the greatest player of all time. Um, but uh, he he just doesn't see it that way. He for him, it's just more about. Uh, as I said, giving that value to to those that are playing right now and that played before him. Well, we're going to switch over to somebody or a couple of guys who who have a chance to to kind of advance and and become maybe the next Miguel Cabrera. And a couple of them are in the Milwaukee Brewers system: mm-hmm. uh, outfielder Jackson Cherio and catcher yeah. uh, Jefferson Cuero. Um, Cherio, uh, what he signed one point eight million. Yes, and and he's he's just eighteen, and and Miggy, as you mentioned, when when he came up, he was just twenty, and he has the chance to to be, to make his debut at twenty years old. And Chorio, he's an outfielder, but can can also he, he also played a little bit a little bit of infield um, while growing up in in Venezuela. He also played. In, he also played winner ball and actually holds the record for the youngest position player to hit a home run in the Venezuelan win, winner league. Um, he did it be- even before Miggy, and Miggy was already a star at 17 in, in Venezuela mm-hmm. uh, with with Tigres de Aragua, the, the team of our good friend Bori Mitrai. <laughs> uh, and and Jackson is having kind of a similar path, and just him seeing him how mature Jackson is. And and very focused on one what he wants to accomplish. I met him at the futures game in in Los Angeles. We talked to him for for Alexa Vaz, and it was it was funny because I was holding the mic, and then I was about to introduce him, and he just ripped the mic out of my hands and grabbed it, and and he was basically uh, hosting the, the interview. I'm like. Well, I'm supposed to interview you, not, <laughs> not the other way around. <laughs> but if you want to do it this way, then it's fine with me. You know, it was, it was uh, something very funny. Um, coming from a, a very, you know, humble family in in El Estado Zulia, which is the biggest state in in, in the country, and that has given and given us so so many um, Venezuelan stars like Luis Aparicio, for example. Um, and and it's it's so 
so fun to to watch him play because he ha- always has that ma- that smile on his face, and the talent is just off the charts. And Jefferson Carroll, Jefferson is nineteen, uh, just a year older than than Jackson, and and he might be the starting catcher for the Brewers in 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 a couple of years. Uh, I have no doubt about it. I remember when he signed, I was talking to. By that time, was the um, the the head of Venezuelan scouting for for the Brewers, uh, Fernando Veracierto, who is now the um, cross checker for Latin America for for the organization, and has been doing an amazing job recruiting these kids all over the country and Latin America now. Um, he he's he was very very high on 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 Jefferson and the way he can um, communicate with his pitchers and and guide behind the plate, which is something that. You, you just don't see a lot among youngsters like like Kero, who is only 19. And to have that tool already, uh, knowing that he can also hit and that has a great arm and all, all that stuff, it's something important for for him. And that's what I think it's going to make him debut uh, maybe in a couple of years. Yeah, um, Kero is in high A ball and, and Churio, they've already got him up to double A. That's just how yeah. these guys are, are moving up. And... Um, uh, Cario, $200,000, 2019 international class. Uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, kind of a hit first catcher, but you're you're high in his defense, Danny. Yeah, I'm, I'm very high on his defense, um, and especially how much he has developed, in, 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 in especially in this, this last uh, season. I also want to mention one more from, from Venezuela and, and the Brewer system. It's Hedbert Perez. Uh, Hedbert, he's the son of... Venezuelan winner ball legend Robert Perez, who uh-huh. played for like 24, 25 seasons in, in Venezuela. I mean, he played forever. Um, maybe the greatest players of the greatest player of our league. And he's also 19, but he already saw some action uh, with the Brewers in uh, spring training this year uh, with, with the big league team. So by him being in single A, he, he might go up to double A next year. It, it's something that, that you really got to put your eye on because of how good defensively he is, but also the hitting part, um, especially with the power that he has. He had to, to develop some some contact, but he's he's very powerful. Um, his arms are very good. His fielding ability is very good. So that's that's someone you, you might want to put your eye on uh, sure. for the future with, and, and the Braves. Yeah, and then for uh, our Marlin listeners, um, Jose Salas, uh, one of their, their fine young uh, middle infielder shortstop, may go to third at some point. Um, $2.8 million signed in 2019. He's up at high A, Beloit uh, in the Marlin system. Salas is just 19. And I'm looking forward, Danny, because I'm going to see him in the in the uh, the fall league in a couple of weeks, probably the end of the end of October. I'll be up there. You know, last week he he went to Lone Depot Park with the, with other prospects. Uh, you know, for for the Marlins to give them the the awards. And Jose, I, I spoke to him about the the AFL, and he mentioned Danny. It's a dream come true for me. And you might not hear that from a lot of prospects, but he said, you know what? I grew up watching the AFL and, and following. Every single star that played there and the next year was playing in, in the big leagues. Well, I, I want to be a player like that. And obviously, I don't think he's going to play in the big leagues in 23. But 24 is a real possibility for, for Jose. And he's, he's going to make the jump to double to A after this. That's, that's for sure. And uh, that's 
also a player that I like, not only because of his talent, but because of his maturity. Um, perfect bilingual. Obviously grew up here, signed as an international free agent, but he grew up in, in the United States. His grandfather played professional baseball. His father played professional baseball. His little brother is about to sign with the Padres next year. So, What's his brother's he, name, he, too, so everybody knows? I... I've, it doesn't have it here. I think it's uh, Greg, Greg Gregorio. I think, uh-huh. but but I will. I'm, I'm not not. That's okay. I was just but, wanting to so our yeah, listeners to kind he, of keep an eye on but, he, but he but he's gonna he's gonna sign next year with with the with the with the Padres. Padres, and and he he's gonna be very good too. Jose, he's it's not about to say that his brother is better than him, uh, but he's gonna be the top signing for for the Padres next year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see it and you're, you've kind of illuminated on it for what not just Venezuela, but I really kind of see this wave of these 20 to 22 year olds that are, are reaching the big leagues or just a lot of them got here. I think 23 is going to be a huge year for these players because, you know, we're, we're going to be now the we don't have labor. We don't have the pandemic. You know, it's going to be a this full year. I think there's going to be a lot of growth. We we saw Julio Rodriguez break in. You know, when when the Mariners were down here, his first big league homers against Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's probably going to win American League Rookie of the Year. Bobby Witt Jr. in Kansas City, the son of Bobby Witt, the pitcher. Uh, that kid, I think, might be better than all of them. Uh, he's unbelievable. C.J. Abrams had a walk-off hit last night, 21 years old, uh, for the Nationals to beat the Braves. And then you got Tristan Casas, who we, we talked about on the podcast with with Bruce Avin a couple of podcasts ago. He was uh, Tristan's uh, high school coach at American Heritage. Uh, Riley Green, you noted him being part of Florida kid, being part of the Tigers. How do you kind of see, you know, we, the future looks really bright with these these young players? Oh, absolutely. And, and especially with how developed they are now, which is, which is something that maybe we didn't see before or, or we saw with just a couple of players. But knowing or seeing the tools that these guys have and their athletic conditions so early in, in, in their careers and being so young, it's something that tells you um, how, t- how tough this is getting, how tough this game is getting. Um, on the hitting standpoint and on the pitching standpoint as well, uh, because we, we mentioned position players, but there are also a couple pitchers coming up, like uh, Grayson Rodriguez with the Orioles for next year, or yeah. our own Eury Perez with the Marlins. And you you say, how are they able to to pitch like this at such a young age? And and that's why why you understand how I mean why. Hitting is so difficult right now. I'm 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 very excited actually. Not, not only with with the players that we're already seeing making that huge impact, but the ones coming up as well. And, and I found, by the way, Salas' brother's name. It's Ethan Salas. Ethan, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Ethan Salas. I knew I remembered hearing it. Yeah. Uh, and, and on the line of pitching, you probably just saw Baseball America named Andrew Painter from Calvary oh, Christian, uh, yeah. first rounder in '21, uh, Phillies prospect. Uh, he made it up to double A two at like 19 years old as their pitcher of the year. So there, there's a lot, a lot of young talent out there. And, um, um, you know, and I feel on this podcast today, as we kind of wrap it up, I wanted to, you know, to show our listeners and the, a young talent on the journalistic end. And, you know, I think you hear that Danny knows his stuff and Danny, how can people find you? Oh, so it's Daniel Alvarez EE. Uh, the, the double E at the end stands for El Extravase. 
and Alex Travasse, that's the other account that you guys can follow. El Extra Base, um, everything <laughs> together. Bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you guys can can hear it better. Um, and that's that's where you where you where you can find me uh, at Daniel Alvarez EE and at Alex Travasse on on Twitter, also Instagram as well. And uh, go check our website, YouTube channel, everything that 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 we have. Danny, I, I appreciate it as always. Uh, you know, thanks uh, on short notice for for popping on and uh, and and you know, you know, being part of of this this podcast. Like I said, a mission here uh, at the Coach and Kernan podcast. That um, we we really are trying to to really bring out the baseball knowledge, and we're trying to raise that IQ of our of our listeners. And you can follow us at. Um, at on Twitter at Coach and Kernan. Uh, that's uh, K E R N A N for Kernan and spell out and Coach and Kernan. Uh, follow us there. You can follow me at my name at Joe uh, at Joe F R I S A R O uh, and also at Man on Two N D on Twitter. And and that'll kind of wrap this up. And you can find us every week. Uh, we're on all the big uh, podcast platforms and. Um, you know, as uh, I think Dave's uh, given me a few names to write down. So hold on before we, we get out of here. Dave's producing this uh, to give everything. But it's on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitch. Um, check us out. Check Danny's workout. Danny, as always, appreciate you, my friend. Oh, Joey, thank you so much for, for having me. Always a pleasure and honor. And you know that I'm always ready uh, for whenever you you call me. Also want to say hi to, to the great uh AMBS, uh, Kevin Kernan. So <laughs> say hi to <laughs> everyone's uh, a fan of America's most Every, Everyone's a fan, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone's a fan, and you know it's always a very special, a professional, and, and 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 human being. I, I think you you introduced this in in Miami a couple couple years ago. So yeah, hi to uh, to Kevin. Thanks to to you, to Dave, and always uh, a pleasure to to talk baseball with you. And we're we're gonna get out of here on that note, and. Uh, Again, catch us next week. Joe Forsaro signing out. Man on second. Everyone subscribe and like all this stuff.